things are moving quickly and as you say, there's so many different sources of information, but let's push through and let's make decisions and innovate and, and do it together. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shump and in this episode, we continue the conversation with Jacob Field, expert property investor and founder of Ripe House. Having worked in the property investment industry for a little over 15 years, keep listening to find out how he built his multi-million dollar property portfolio. last episode, we had the chance to hear about the journey behind Field's decision to get into the property investment scene. Let's explore the mindset behind these decisions. I've always had the attitude of, um, I'm just going to jump in, I'm going to do it and I'm going to make it work. There's just never even a second thought of even to my own detriment potentially of should I be doing this. So that has been, yeah, I, I've, I've tried um, high price point, lower price points, capital growth, renovations, non-renovations, um, yields, cash flow plays, etc. Um, I've I've really jumped in and, and done uh, as opposed to think <laughs> in some cases. The danger is sitting back and, and trying to accumulate this knowledge and becoming this expert before we have any runs on the board. Through his property investment journey, Field has learned the strategies and tactics which have worked for him. One thing I've seen over the years as well from, from investors coming through the Ripe House circle has been, you might go to a seminar, right, and you might pay $5,000, it's great value for money, and you're, you're learning a system, you're learning a way of doing things, but you're still not, you know, might not have the deposit or you might not have the confidence to buy yet. So then you go along to a second seminar and you're hearing another system. Okay, and you don't necessarily have the skills and you haven't actually implemented either, so you can't compare and contrast, but they're telling conflicting stories. So that then is, I, I think, the key driver for analysis paralysis is conflicting systems or stories, and people don't know how to apply one or the other in, in the right circumstance. Field reflects on his earlier days in the property investment world and the resources he depended on back then to support him through his journey. I guess the support I found uh, from Summersoft Forum in the early days was was very strong. That that was something that, you know there there weren't a huge amount of it wasn't an established industry or a mature industry property investment I guess so there weren't a, a huge amount of sources you could go to, um, to to learn. So it really did push it back to finding that core group of of investors. Um, you know people like Nathan Birch would be someone I'd talk through in the early days of. Summersoft and Jane Stack Smith again, and I, I guess it's it's I've learned from from people that I I now uh, work with in the industry uh, at that sort of level. So I've I never sort of went to a a property seminar in the earlier days as it was because I was here in Tasmania for one, but then there weren't necessarily that many options. So I was sort of forced to learn from from the online space and, and community there. But sadly, that that forum's actually no longer operating. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's been changed under a different um, ownership, but yeah, it, it still has a thriving community there, and the community has grown so much that yeah, it, it gets to that certain point where you go, oh gosh, it's such a large community. Who do you speak to at the same time? Because when it's small, it's easier to be able to connect with the people, but once it grows so large, it's like 
I don't know where to go. <laughs> and that's a, a bit of a danger, I guess, in terms of that just, you know, more information is not necessarily better or more helpful. I guess one thing that's working quite successfully, and it's only a recent uh, evolution within Rifehouse is a private Facebook group that we have for members only. The reason why we did that was because, yes, it's free-flowing conversation and it's open-ended, but it is guided by uh, a supportive community with, I guess, moderators who are, you know, they might be staff, but they're also other sort of advanced investors within Ripehouse who can help and guide. And it's very succinct. You know, there is a, an outcome to a thread. It's not just an, you know, what it, it comes to the point and we moderate that to find a resolution. It, it might not, the resolution might not be coming from us, but we have to find a resolution. And, and, a, and a, I think if a, a group in that sort of format uh, where you, is, a, is a great medium to do that. Um, and there's, there's other Facebook groups that are emerging quite strongly as well. And I think that it allows that guidance and I guess the conversation to find that resolution. Having worked mainly within the research sector of the property investment industry, Field shares some key piece of advice that have contributed to not only his work ethic, but his success as a property investor. Don't settle for the status quo. And, you know, things are moving fast at the moment. <laughs> um, but I've got to remind myself, and I guess this is the best you know, advice that I've seen. And it's not coming from the property space, it's coming from the technology space. It's let's embrace this change and work together. You have an abundance mentality with other investors and other professionals in the industry. And you know, I guess focus on what's important. And that's moving towards what we're trying to do in this property game, which is create wealth for ourselves and our families and the next generation um, and move towards those goals. So, yeah, the, probably the advice that is is things are moving quickly and, as you say, there's so many different sources of information, but let's push through and let's make decisions and innovate and, and do it together. Field's property portfolio reflects a range of strategies he has used. It is through this mix of strategies that he has accumulated several profitable properties and built his portfolio to the level it is at now. Generally, the portfolio is multiple millions and its average yield would be about 7% now. So that weren't necessarily at 7% on purchase, but some properties have been in the portfolio for about 15 years. If you were to describe my strategy now moving forward, it would be buying in high growth areas. I guess... There's two types of high growth areas. There's one that's based on a scarcity strategy, um, a longer term strategy. So as Sydney, it would be a scarcity is driving a market and that might be an own occupier driven scarcity. So think of the eastern suburbs or the Mossmans. You know, you don't have those ocean views um, being manufactured. Um, that market may outperform Sydney every year um, on average by 1% over 25 years, very consistently. Or you move into a market that's emerging it may have causal factors, so it may have train lines or infrastructure spends, etc. I don't necessarily track those. So Wipehouse doesn't give you that information because you don't need it. If you follow train line builds or, you, you know, a government notoriously doesn't follow through with what they have planned. So you might get the where right. Um, what we've learned is you can get the when right when you look at the effect. So you look at the on-market activity. When you, How can you actually understand and identify when a market is responding to those employment, jobs, population, infrastructure, whatever it is. And as soon as you understand that it is responding, you're ready to pounce. So we actually look at the market metrics to determine that. 
So my strategy is finding those markets just about to grow into an uplift. Not uh, They haven't grown yet, okay, by the way. Um, rents have been increasing. Yields have been increasing as well are the two metrics that, that we, we start looking at. So that's demonstrating that growth hasn't occurred yet. We see sales volume spiking because people are renting in a market first and then they're starting to buy. So they're liking the new job and, and you know, whatever they, the reason why they move to the area. So I'm now looking for sales volumes. When Field buys into a market where yields are very strong, how does he get the upper hand? I'm buying into a market where yields are at a very strong high point and growth is likely to be imminent. Okay, I'm able to negotiate very strongly because there hasn't actually been that growth. We, we're in the very early part of a cycle for that market before the heat arrives. So my strategy revolves around negotiating very hard on property and purchasing under market on entry. And also, I guess the personal side to this is uh, I buy blocks that I can split. So most of my portfolio still sits on blocks that I haven't done anything with, but I could split if I wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I, as I sort of gravitate and mature, I'm now looking at staying to sub, uh, su- actually subdivide and building behind. Um, I guess that's adding another strategy or, or potential outcome without actually doing it. So I'm not I'm not getting caught up into a property and saying, hey, I'm you know, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to renovate this or subdivide it and learn and, and do. I'm buying properties with options. You know, if for some reason the growth doesn't occur as forecast, the yield's still cash flow positive. We're in a market where yields are at a high point in the cycle. If for some reason, you know, vacancy rates increase and the, the tenancy market falls through the floor, then we can still look at subdividing uh, and doing something there about manufacturing equity. So it's about yeah, protecting ourselves. That would probably be a summary of currently my strategy. Excellent. I mean, you've kind of covered both aspects. You know, you've got both um, <coughs> the cash flow that will cover and, and sustain your portfolio, but at the same time, manufacturing possibility to increase your equity or, or get some growth out of it, not necessarily sort of um, buying and praying <laughs> that things would go up. You've actually done a strategic uh, thought and careful research to be able to purchase those. Coming up after the break, Field will explain the differences between short-term and long-term growth. Over you know, longer-term growth, the properties that have performed the best have been those that are closest to CBD uh, or that major commuter hub. Details on how Jen Summers' book, More Wealth from Residential Property, impacted him. It breaks things down. It helps you understand how to use other people's money to move from one property into the next and structure your portfolio. His plans for the next five years? I think looking, this is going to be a very interesting five years, um, to put it bluntly. I feel uh, we'll be looking back at, at where we are now and property might be a different space. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, are you interested in small investments with big profits? If the answer is yes, then register your interest at propertyinveststory.com. When you sign up, you'll receive deals at wholesale price which I've negotiated with the vendor. These deals generate positive cash returns from day one and I only send these out exclusively to my community. To find out more, visit propertyinveststory.com. Now back to the show. Field shares with us his most profitable properties and why they have grown in value in the short and long term. We can talk in terms of short-term growth. 
and we can talk in longer term growth. So over you know, longer term growth, the properties that have performed the best have been those that are closest to CBD uh, or that major commuter hub. So first property, as an example that I purchased, is it five minutes sort of walking distance, sort of seven minutes walking distance to the Hobart CBD in West Hobart, which is a blue chip suburb down here in Hobart. Uh, that has always performed and amplified uh, and even led in the last growth cycle. We recommended West Hobart to Ripe House investors in 2015. Uh, it led the Hobart emergence. That is a suburb that is driven by that proximity to the city. You've got a very large, wide demographic that will want to live there. So it is sort of always leading that charge. And I guess that was the theme around Bain Cove as well. Field found a pattern that helped him navigate around the areas with the most profitable properties. Looking back, the best performers have been those that are closest to those strong drivers of long-term growth. In the short term, short-term growth, you know, once again, I just make the, the analogy, if you're talking about scarcity-driven suburbs, they generally are stable for longer periods. They don't have spikes and troughs. Um, but when you're talking about really strong growth uplifts, if you were to have that crystal ball and look ahead in the next 12 months, where are going to be the strongest markets for growth? They're generally led, led by tenants first tenants are responsible for moving to an area and driving that value increase. So in finding those markets, I have had success going into the regional, so into the Newcastle example, based on that tenant demand and up into the Hunter uh, region, which was around 2012 from memory, um, following that tenant demand, that's, I guess, the best result in the short term. That tenants deliver growth for three years, you know, up to five years maybe, and then things will really fall back into the mean. Um, but it's it's plugging a gap into your portfolio growth. It's 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 achieving a different purpose. He shares with us his personal habit that allowed him to grow a substantial portfolio. Someone who can embrace change and understand risk and use it. I've never been afraid to. Probably going back to that first property where you know I, I think the property at the time was eighty thousand from memory. That was when I was turn 18 and, and by the time I actually bought um, a year or two after, uh, that same property would have been about 150000 So that was in the really strong growth uplift time in Hobart. Okay, So that would have been a, a, a deal that would have made a lot of money straight off the bat for me. And I was all gung-ho, ready to go into it um, and buy. And then Dad actually saw a loan and a loan for a property as a huge risk. It's a different generation. So I didn't see it in the same way and that actually stopped me. So it's just go for it, understand risk and make decisions clearly, uh, have your framework and your abilities, et cetera, but you've still got to do. Um, so take that step and then learn from it. But we've got to be in this game. Uh, we've, we've, got to, we've got to start investing sometime or buy that next property sometime. In terms of resources, Field reveals the book that changed the game for him. The only book that really changed my mindset fundamentally was more wealth from residential property. And I, I know I have mentioned it before uh, and it is going back to the early days, but if it, it might be a little bit difficult to come across now, uh, but that it breaks things down. It helps you understand how to use other people's money to move from one property into the next and structure your portfolio. Um, that would be the, if, if people haven't read it, then go back and read it would, would be my advice. What are you most excited about in your property journey, say, in the next five years as well? I think looking, this is going to be a very interesting five years, um, to put it bluntly. I feel 
uh, we'll be looking back at, at where we are now and property might be a different space. We're already seeing the emergence of it. So we're actually getting really good at being very specific with the properties that we recommend. So not just the suburbs, but the streets and the properties within. It's not, you know, it's not enough really to just give you, a, say, go and invest in Hobart and for the investor to figure that out. We're getting better at it, but so is the industry. Um, so it might get to the point we're also seeing fractional investing emerging. So you're able to um, purchase only a small part of a property with a group of others. Phil shares his thoughts on how he thinks the property investment industry will change in the future. So we might be moving into a space uh, where you don't actually need to buy a property. You can just invest in an algorithm. You can invest in a technology that underrides it. Uh, you can invest uh, with turn that you want to receive and you can almost pick it off the shelf and deliver it into your portfolio. Um, uh, th- this is probably something that we need to challenge ourselves. You know, are you in the property game because of what investing in property delivers you for your lifestyle or, or retirement? Or are you in the property game because you actually legitimately enjoy learning about property investments and investing in property? And just be honest with ourselves because you know, we might be heading towards a future where you don't actually need to go to a seminar. You don't actually need to learn. You can actually trust maybe computers or you can trust an algorithm or you can trust a company based on it more so than a shark or a spruker. So if you can do that and you have that trust in the results, uh, then you maybe not don't need to learn about property investment. You just do it. You know, we, we've got some, you know, if you're looking at the share industry, it's so far ahead of the property space. Um, You've got robo um, financial planners that are a huge part of the industry in America. Uh, they'll you know, they maybe the emergent uh, component of that industry, and people don't need to learn how to be a financial planner or invest their super or you know manage risk, etc. They just buy into that fund. Um, you know, once we get better and, and you're getting more comfort with the results, uh, you might be able to start out small with say fractional, but I think that's where we might be heading. To connect with Jacob Field, you can reach out to him via. I'm at Ripe House on Twitter, um, but probably the best way would be just to jump onto the Ripe House homepage, so www.ripehouse.com.au. There's a free trial on there to the whole community, to our private Facebook group, which I'm regularly contributing to, uh, and they can use their full suite of analysis tools, etc., on that trial. So, yeah, that might sound a, a little roundabout, but. Connect up into that trial is the great way to get in contact. Thank you to Jacob Field for sharing his story with us on this episode of Property Invest Story. If you want to hear more about his journey and story, then visit our website at propertyinveststory.com. Also, are you interested in small investments with big profits? If the answer is yes, simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to register your interest. When you sign up, you'll receive deals at wholesale price which I've negotiated with the vendor. These deals generate positive cash returns from day one and I only send these out exclusively to my community. To find out more, text me your email address on 0499881040. Thanks for listening.